Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Judging... Nope. Wait, no, that's your other <laughs> podcast. Um, welcome back to A Handbook for Handbook for Mortals, the weekly chapter-by-chapter close read of Lanny Sarum's uh, magnum opus, Handbook for Mortals, which I have for weeks been calling A Handbook for Mortals because that rolled off the tongue more easily. It really does, doesn't it? And yet here we are. Uh, I'm James DeBrucker, as ever. With me, as always, is Megan Griffin. Hello. Hello. So, there are two uh, what Jameses are we here to talk about? Still. Yeah, you know, there's been technical difficulties. What are we here to talk about this week? Well, I guess we're here to leave our legacy because we have an unfriended thing going, so we're probably both going to die. Um, but while we wait for death to come, uh, we're going to talk about Chapter 12, The Sun. I, and she means wait for death to come in the more acute sense, not the sort of passive way that we're all doing it. But like in right, the, yes. the next 90 minutes, an angry spirit is going to come and kill us all. Most likely, yes. I mean, we're not on Skype, so maybe we're okay. But uh, um, so this week we are talking about chapter 12, The Sun, uh, to recap what has happened the last few chapters. Nothing, all both things. Nothing. Um, we have a main character that can't decide between two boys and... Um, has gone to the mall and a concert and oh yeah i guess last chapter we have the insinuation that she's sleeping with her boss um not that we see anything on screen about that but uh yeah that's kind of where we're at so yeah um and this chapter well we'll we'll get into that in a little bit because i have thoughts and opinions (laughs) on this chapter which is which is why you keep me around. Um, so chapter 19, the sun, no. as is tradition, I've got no. Promethea. It's only Wait, no, 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 12. chapter 12. Yeah. Chapter 12. Sorry, Ahem. we're not that no, far No, 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 it's, it's fine, it's fine. Um, I think we're definitely, did we establish last time that we were definitely over the halfway point? We are definitely over the halfway point. My book is reading 52% at chapter right. the start of chapter 12, so congratulations, we're over halfway point. It is insofar as it's always been downhill, now it is more... <laughs> explicitly concretely downhill yes um and now i declaim an iambic pentameter uh from alan moore's preview volume two ahem of course this rhythm to and fro is part of history's quickening flow there's darkness then new days begun illumined by card 19 the sun the hebrew letter resh we find is to this tarot path assigned its meaning front of head is not but bright enlightened conscious thought with world war ii factors converge wealth science a demographic surge youth by the centuries middle years outnumbers age seeks new ideas Buddhism, Zen astrology, and the I Ching mixed randomly with drugs which aped the shaman's trance into the decade's cultural dance. This was a psychedelic peak, or soul-revealing from the Greek. Youngsters still wet behind the ears took on the roles of bards or seers. Alas, the zeitgeist solar flash scorched most such visionaries to ash. Their lives confused, addicted, lame, drugged melodramas now became. That's Um, kind of amazing. So, yeah, just FYI, Promethea came out, um, when did, when was it originally published? Okay, it was originally published in 2000 and 2001, so the baby boomers hadn't yet become (laughs) the concrete force for evil that they have in the intervening decades, um, so yeah, it's that's that's Alan Moore's positivity for you. Um, so obviously, this is the the sun as I- illumination in the mystic sense, and a host of other things that don't 
fucking happen in this chapter. Pretty much. We can tell that she did not read Prometheus before writing this book, but maybe also didn't quite understand what the cards were about. Well, and again, this is based on the Thoth reading of the tarot, but I, I, I digress. So we continue with the really advanced fractured narrative because chapter 11 ends with let's sit down for dinner Mm -hmm. and then chapter 12 is time jump i have just gotten to work and was walking down the hall towards the wardrobe room so again we have a chapter that ends with at least a hint of content or conflict and consequence and that is alighted over in the abstract time jump. Um, there are certain movies that do this really well. Uh, John Carpenter's The Thing is great at how it uses fades and editing to build tension. Okay. Um, and there are other things that that are good. And there are other podcasts where they talk about stuff <laughs> that is good. But that's not why you're here, is it? Um, so yeah, Zade is on her way to work. This time jump doesn't bother me as much because it's a chapter break, though we do have a couple time jumps in here that, that are weird. Um, so yeah, like, it doesn't bother me too much, except for the fact that, like, nothing got resolved in the last chapter, because nothing ever gets resolved. But yeah, she's walking down the hall at work, and Zeb caught up to her, and we have... The first of three of, I was about to say Lonnie, of Zade being somehow kind of penned in, in some way. Um, right. Because Zeb puts his own hand Physically up. blocks her off. Yes. Puts his hand up against the wall and says, you aren't ready for this. You should have been more prepared. Now, as someone who occasionally uses pronouns that it doesn't quite make sense as to what I'm talking about. (laughs) You're an asshole. You couldn't just let me have this. I was trying to be polite. You're a dick. In case you're wondering, James... Now, mercifully, because there's only one other person on this podcast, listeners know who that you refers to. She's saying that I'm a dick. Yes, you are a dick. Um, We never figure out what this is is i always assumed it was from the jock jams perspective like you know y'all ready for this hit it i I don't i don't think so and see that's why that's why zade's not ready for this because she's not running out of a giant inflatable tunnel and there's not pyro going (laughs) off no one said hit it is she a basketball player now i maybe why i don't know um so her response to you aren't ready for this, you should have been more prepared is not to go, what the hell are you talking about? It's to go, why don't you like me? I, the, the peril of the constant time jumps is even when they happen at essentially organic points in the narrative, I have no way of knowing what is left out because it is a mystery left out because it is supposed to build tension left out because it is lazy writing left out because etc etc because 
maybe there's going to be a flashback scene later on where a whole bunch of stuff is revealed. Or maybe, in this specific instance, the author just forgot to explain what the this that one should or should not be ready for is. I take it as more of... Nope, I lost that thought. I had a train of thought, and I lost it. Because oh, it's really hard to focus on here. And it's 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 a first draft. In her mind, this jump makes sense. Yep. To the reader, it doesn't. Because we go into this discussion of why Zeb doesn't particularly care for Zaid. And at no point, because it ends with him going, oh shit, I have to go to a meeting, but not saying, oh shit, because this book has no cussing in it um it does have racism just no cussing um but essentially he stops her and says you aren't ready for this you should have been more prepared so either we're supposed to get the impression that he is belligerent and an asshole (laughs) and is going to stop and be cruel to be cruel or like he actually really is concerned about something and then suddenly feels it's no longer necessary as he goes to a meeting and never explains what she's not prepared for. But between that, we have a chunk of why Zeb apparently does not like Zaid. I will give the author credit because I was going to ask if this was a new character beat for Zeb. And I was flipping through the book. And sure enough, it has been previously established that Zeb is kind of spiky and prickish towards Zaid. So yeah, there. I mean, there's a whole conversation between her and Jackson at one point as to like while Zeb's they're sitting around kind of an asshole. Like yep. eventually he'll warm up to you, kind of thing. And like this interaction between Zeb and Zaid, I really hate that they both have Z names. Um, but that's why they hate each other. There can only be <laughs> uh, one. It's like a Highlander or women in <laughs> upper management. Uh, it is, in fact. Um, he basically tells her, I don't think you take your craft, our craft, seriously. I take it seriously. You need to try harder. More important things are at stake. What's at stake? Is it that, like, because we haven't been shown that she's flippant or, or putting people in danger necessarily. Is it implying that he knows that she's actually got magic and then, like, he's kind of pissed because she's and it's fake i don't i don't know it's also established that the c.s lewis magic review has been going on for a while that like charles spellman is an established performer on the vegas strip yes and so it's not like i i i mean if 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 Zade swaggers out on stage and grabs the mic and starts ranting about miscegenation as she is wont to do, then yes, I could see how that would imperil the show in uh, existential sense. But beyond that, it's, it, 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 it is not explained why she has so much leverage over the future of the show. Right. And instead of essentially going... I am very sincere in what I do. I'm very good at what I do. Um, You know, any kind of like standing her ground, she instead takes the road of I'm going to do what I can to pacify you. And not like in a, 
Oh, it's 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 almost like I'm not able to gather my thoughts right now. It's not good is what she does is not a good thing. Okay, so so the the part you're talking about, I had learned that when someone has an issue with the way you do something, asking them to help teach you what you're missing is the fastest way to get them to feel better about it. And for all the dude listeners out there, hi, I didn't expect you to exist. And also, seriously, (laughs) if you have someone talking to you about, say, your outdated gender ideals or or broad, creepy behavior or anything like that, if if someone has an issue with the emotional work you're not doing, never, never, ever, ever, ever ask them to teach you how to do it properly. That will only make things worse in the short term, I promise you. Yeah, there is no genuine desire to understand where Zeb is coming from and why. And it is kind of gross that this is a reverse gender take on it. But I think as we are now 52% of the way through, Zade is not a good person at all. Like, can we agree? Like she is a shallow shell of a vain, crappy person. And I think, she is she is no worse than anyone else who grew up pretty in a backwater town because the ways in which she is a bad person are born out of being exceedingly sheltered in her upbringing and feeling like the ways in which she is different qualify her to speak to marginalized groups. It is the soul man conundrum. Zaid was ostracized because she wore funky hair colors, but she could always go back and pass as normal girl from Centerville, Tennessee. I was really uh, hoping you were breaking into a Southern accent after this chapter. Please don't. Nope. Okay. No, no. Um, and, and, and so she, she goes to, well, and again, mercifully, the author does not, uh, go above her, get, get above her raisin to use another Southern proverb. And she doesn't write, she doesn't write POC characters. She doesn't write queer characters. She doesn't write any marginalized groups whatsoever. So you don't have, I mean, so then theoretically of, <clears throat> the white woman is a minority character compared to the white male. Right, exactly. You know, it is it is still, you know, the 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 male is always the the socio the societally dominant force because we live in a patriarchy, etc., etc., etc. But at the same time, you have Zade trying to navigate this by placating every man around her all the time yeah and it's a it's a i I, that's why i think that's why every female character that's written at all is written like a queen bee because they're because the male characters can either orbit sophie or they can orbit zade right and the value of each character sophie and zade is determined largely you have this explicitly 
by Zade's internal monologue and implicitly by Sophie's behavior. The their the sole determining factor of their worth is how many male characters are orbiting them at any one point in time. Um, which is why you get chapters like um, fuck, who is the dude that shows up to get dunked on all the time? Drew. Drew. Like you have Drew showing up and uh, the the other male characters close ranks around. Zade, and that that chapter is in there to show the efforts of other characters to get into Zade's orbit, like the poor guy at Pretzel God or whatever the fuck in the mall. <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I think you're right, and and I don't know if this. We may be giving it too much critical analysis or critical depth because I don't know if this was done as a book to be a satire to show this, this suddenly becomes wonderful. But I think this is how, this is what the author really truly values. Well, the benefit of the author being dead is that it works either way. True. Uh, You can, you, you, you can read more intent than was intended, or you cannot give credit for depth that was intended. I, and, and, and so I think that, I think that Zade is a racist who is staggeringly naive. Yep. I think that if she were, which if it, it, like it, like if this if this were a fucking Noah Baumbach movie, if this were Francis Ha or something like that, well, that's a bad example because every, I think everyone's white in Francis Ha too. But if but if she moved to if she moved to New York to find herself and she was thrown into a situation where she had to interact with all these different groups of people. Right. I would like to think that she would slowly become woke, but that is not, uh, I mean, that's not a building buildings Roman that I'm interested in. Right. And it's not to say that you can't come from a small town and be woke, but it's a lot harder. Like you have, there's a lot more effort that's required. And so, yeah, the, the, racist and naivety of the main character makes sense in that manner Um, this is why this is why i always argue for domed megacities with rail transport between them uh as the way of the future and like it's it's great because judge dread yeah exactly judge dread is fundamentally a utopian fiction because you have all these 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 giant urban structures that force people of differing groups to live together and okay, yeah, you've got radioactive wasteland in between, but I mean, look at look at look at look at the past electoral maps over I know twenty years, and 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 think about think about what a wonderful world we would live in if only we lived in <laughs> domed megacities with radioactive wasteland in between. So before we turn this into an entirely political podcast, let's yep. move on in the book. Uh... Um. Oh, then we get the super kind of porny interaction with her and Sophia. Yeah, so on a high, after, you know, standing her ground with with Zeb, I'm putting my hands on my waist in a superhero motion, she has a run-in with Sophia, who... My biggest annoyance with this is that her name is Sophia. At no point does she say she goes by Sophie. And yet Zaid almost always calls her Sophie. And, like... I don't know if you have anybody in your life that you don't particularly get along with, but I don't give them nicknames that I actually say to their face, you know? 
I try to excise those people from my uh, life. But So yeah, that's a big annoyance. But Sophia is singing. Yep. And they kind of, yeah, there, there's a lot of um, Zade gazing at Sophia. And I kind of almost expected this to be a moment of maybe the love triangle shifts. And we actually end up with a bisexual yeah, that, kind of situation here. That's what, that's what I said. It's very much uh, the intro of a, of a pornographic scene. The, yeah. the whole thing writes like it's shot in soft focus. And like, Sophia has more conversation, you know, in this chapter alone than I think Jackson does in the entire book. Yep. So maybe that's something that's coming down the line. I don't know. But, um, she she ends up essentially asking Sophia also why do you hate me? Yep. Um. And actually, she says, "I'm sorry." You I'm hate sorry me. you hate me. Which is, we'll go over in a second how you actually apologize to people, but um, I'm actually entirely team Sophia here because her reasons for being essentially annoyed, I guess. Um, is that she believes that people should pay their dues and she views Zayd as essentially walking in, throwing a hissy fit, and suddenly is the star of the show. Which is what actually happened. And so she's not wrong. Like, I would be pissed too. If I am someone who was, has worked my way up from the bottom, which is what we can assume about Sophia, you know, to become a star of the show, who gets displaced. Fairly explicitly. um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Did she sleep her way to the top? I, I really... Women that we'll get, get to that. into a position of power are either cold stone bitches or they slept their way to the top. You cannot have anything in between. So I really, really fucking hate that Sophia is sleeping with Charles um, because... And it's implied that she is trying to sleep her way to the top. And I really fucking hate that trope. So... Um, they discuss, apparently Sophia can sing and well, and Zayd offers her a chance to sing in her new act, which I guess everybody kind of knows that the new act's coming. I can't, like, there's no shock. The timeline gets wibbly wobbly. Yeah, there's no shock in the fact that there's a new act. Um, there is shock when Zayd calls Charles Charlie, um. And now, I thought that was going to be your pick for the best worst line oh, of, the, no. of the chapter. No, it is one of them, but no. Okay, okay. Because that was my pick, so I'll, we'll have to hear your pick. Um, but yeah. So the. No, I have highlighted. I'm sorry you feel that way, and I'm sorry if you feel like I've been given anything at all that should have gone to you. And then. I'm. It's. It's. If you want to be a dick when you apologize. I'm sorry you feel that way is the way to do it. Yep. The proper way should be, hey, you know what? You're right. I can entirely see that it looks like I have done nothing to earn my position. And I am so sorry that that vibe has been given off. Um, And I, I promise, like, I'm here every day working really hard and, you know, some kind of don't ever, ever, ever tell someone, I'm sorry, it's how you perceived it. So, yeah, it's it's more in 
and 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 it's also in the fact that like I understood where she was coming from, and even though she was she had never been fair to me in a lot of ways, I still saw that she just didn't want to be replaced. She doesn't have to be fair to you. You won't she is being she is being fair to her yes. is the thing. She is she is I I, I am always. I am of the opinion that we're not even talking about it authorial we, uh, uh, intent. It, in life, intent only matters to a point. And past that point, you have to deal with the consequences of what is actually done and how that actually impacts people. And so setting aside whether Sophie intended to be catty when she said, you did nothing to deserve this... You just waltzed in and, and, you know, snagged a top spot. What is true is that Zayd has done nothing to deserve this. Right. And she just waltzed in and, 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 and got this spot. And so the solution there is not for people to just refuse to comment on it. Yeah. Like, you, you, you have to accept that actual reality is actual reality and true. I mean, I get that Zaid has magic, but if she's not going to tell everybody she has magic, then she needs to focus in on what people see and control that narrative. Um, so, yeah, then she calls him Charlie. I'm trying really hard not to sneeze. Um, and Sophia uh, says, I did that once, and he bit my head off. And I was on top of him at the time. So we now know that uh, she and Charlie have slept together and in Cowgirl. Uh, so Thank you for that. And yet, the childlike way... Like, if someone goes, and I was on top of him at the time, what other implication could it be than sex? Like, the fact that Zayd takes a moment to be like oh oh you know that whole comical bullshit it's like she's almost i mean the only way she could be more explicit is to say and he was inside of me at the time yep balls deep yes so is that a virgin like i i think it's implied I think that I, I I don't think it's ever made explicit. Oh, and I'm a virgin because that would be more exploration of the main character's sexuality than we've seen right. to date. Um, but I I'm sure that she's a virgin just because it's that sort of book. Yeah, and then she almost slut shames females everywhere by saying. I just wasn't used to talking about intimate moments with anyone, theirs or mine. In the South, women are still taught not to talk about such things. Okay, first of all, I am a Southern woman. I do not think that I was taught to not talk about these things any more than any other person I've met. Second of all, this isn't the 1800s. And like... Yes, I grew up in part near, you know, in the suburbs of a big city, but I also still grew up in part in a small town. And, like, you know everybody's business, <laughs> you know? Like, yep. 
teenage pregnancy is too rampant to not know everybody's business. So like it, am I wrong in reading this is almost slut shaming? No, you're not wrong at all. Um, And it's, or is she just really like embarrassed because she's starting to view Sophia as a sex object and maybe she's into that? No, it's not that. It, this is the this is the first exp- this is the first indication that uh people have sex in the handbook of verse. True. Ever. Other than the fact that uh, like she came from a mother. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, of 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 woman born. It's <sighs> There's a lot going on. And it's super weird, and it only gets weirder when they pivot back to, oh, and you have a nice voice. Yes. Um, this is, she actually interacts with Sophie more than she interacts with anyone else, I think, this chapter. Yeah, like, uh, it's, it's, I don't know if this is set up, uh, do you watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? I can't imagine that you do. Fuck no. I didn't think God. so. I was going to say, if it's very triggering for me, I cannot imagine that you would enjoy it. Stop it. It's a good show. Uh, uh, but, so, I guess spoilers between season one and season two of uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. There's a mean girl character that eventually becomes best friends with the lead. And it is done really well in the show. Um this almost feels like it's trying to do that in a not great manner. Um, I agree. Like, I'm guessing um, that's what's going to result, not a bisexual character or a love triangle or some kind of poly relationship. It's going to become Sophia and Zayd are going to become best friends. And Sophia's entire defining characteristic is going to become Zayd's best friend. Although the book does continue to lead in with the quasi-pornographic nature of this scene. Uh, Zade, you should probably get dressed, don't you think? You need to be at top of show in five minutes. Yeah, like... Oh, Jesus, I exclaimed in panic. I'll see you in a bit. And thanks, Sophia said before she laughed and walked out. Yeah, there's a lot of talking about Zade or or Sophia getting dressed and, like, how she looks and her hair and everything. And, like... Here would be a good moment to put in a reminder of Zayd has magic. Like, right. I don't know about you, but to get dressed entirely for a show in five minutes and get to the place that she needs to be, which is, I think, above the entire stage. So, like, unless the dressing rooms are also up there, it ain't happening in five minutes. So it would have been a good moment here to be like, I looked around and then zapped my clothes. Sabrina yep. style, but um, did the uh, moon prism power makeup thing? Yes. Uh, spun around as the Wonder Woman one music played, etc., etc. Anything like that, but instead, yeah. we don't get a reminder. I, I honestly, it's almost like the author forgets she has magic. Speaking of forgetting, after all this build up, dot dot dot. After that evening show. <laughs> And so it's like, okay, great. Zayd apparently didn't grab the mic and start spouting Nazi propaganda. Congrats. She didn't torpedo the show. Yes, like, like apparently they had another show. The new illusion's not in yet. 
Um, yeah. Because spoilers, we do get to see when that happens. Um, when she finally uses her illusion. Yes. Too. All right. Um, and then, so now, yes, we are after the show and Mac and Zaid are walking in the park that there is an entire fucking paragraph dedicated to how like the park closes at dusk and technically no one's supposed to be there, but we're not alone. It's okay. And like, it's fine. It's fine. Three editors. Now. Okay. This, this dialogue exchange makes no sense to me. And I, I read it and I reread it and I, I couldn't figure out how point two follows from point one. Okay. So point one. So um, street performer walks up to them wearing a striped shirt and a beanie. Now, do you think that they mean beanie in the sense that I technically have a beanie or is, or are you thinking like the propeller? Sorry. How I mean beanie versus how you mean beanie. I think it's uh, right, because I mean beanie as in what you're wearing okay. currently and not with the propeller. Okay. So you mean beanie like took, not like beanie like propeller. Okay. Um, yes. Can I do a magic trick for you? He asked, already cutting the deck. Oh, sorry, Max said, without missing a beat. She's not allowed to do magic. Thanks, though. Yep. Like. How? (laughs) Unless this area is known for. I, I don't know. Flashers and thieves, like. And you just say whatever you say to get away. But yes, this is the most awkward. It it it, it is it is the the converse between the first line of dialogue and the second line of dialogue. Yeah. The, it 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 like it goes through a funhouse mirror and it comes out completely warped and twisted and it is. All like you you have you have the street performer ask Zay to participate in the illusion. You know, you, you pick a card, any card. Then Max says, I'm sorry, she's not allowed to do magic. Like if this was a Which which uh, you could at least follow along because then Zayd is being asked to take part in the magic. Rick. I could see this line being in Gilmore Girls or something like that and actually coming off as intelligent, but instead of saying she's not to, if it was like Zade saying like, Oh yeah, no, I'm not allowed to do magic. But then it would be followed up with like, Oh yeah, no, seriously. My dad died in a magic trick. And like when I was 10 and you know, I just can't in these cards and I'm oh, suddenly triggered and you know, crying and like running some kind of m- momentum to get away from the situation. And maybe that's the intent because the, again, this was originally a screenplay, but it's not there. Instead, it, Mac again comes off as controlling because there's yep. no like Zayd laughed or anything like it's just a bullshit line. Yep. Um. Um. So they sit out on the swings. So okay, um, they sit. We found an empty set of swings where after we spent some time reliving our childhood on them, Mac paused. So did they sit there and swing in silence, or was it like? <laughs> These swings. They, the, the, this we, they, they, they sat there and Max said, Zade, I'm your father. I'm going to disappear and never show up again. And then he fucked off for a while. But I, I mean, um, seriously, c- given what we're about to lead into is, is a conversation between Mac and, and Zade. Um, I almost uh, picture them sitting in silence, I guess, because 
we go into this first of all we go into again that how mac is wearing his show blacks because apparently lonnie serum has a thing for dudes and show blacks like whether he knew that i felt for show blacks the way most women feel about men in firefighting uniforms first of all she doesn't mean show blacks in a racist sense second of all firefighting uniforms is a really particular yep thing like can you imagine the calendar of dudes and show blacks like uh, let's talk yeah about i will like their dickies the, and yeah it's it's i mean i i Maybe I with get puppets? that firefighting is is a traditional uniform of masculinity, and I, I know people who have things for UPS uniforms, horses for courses. I get it. It's just oddly specific. Um, police uniforms would make more sense. I, I am actually okay with her going with firemen over police because police are firemen are not as under as much scrutiny in the world. So true. Um, I'm actually okay with the fireman choice. Um, but there wasn't a firefighter in the village, people. So it's 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 always was there not? No construction. No construction. Army. Uh, Native American. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. There's a a Hallmark movie where Brandon Roth plays a a fireman. That uh, that's all I can think about right now is him in that fireman uniform without a shirt. So. But now imagine him in in stage. Oh, products. okay. And his dickies, maybe with an open black shirt. No, Ugh. I can't do it. But you know what? Horses for courses. Some people, yeah. you, you are into what you are into. I am very into drummers. Like, you give a guy a drum set, it adds a couple points automatically to me. I don't know what it is, but whatever. Um, they, this is supposed to be a very romantic moment. And we, How do you know I'm not allowed to do magic, that part? Nope, this entire... Oh. Max scene. Thing. So yes, we have had where he talks to the street performer. They then swing for a little bit of time, and now she asks, "How do you know I'm not allowed to do magic?" Again, which that's the first time that she confesses to a muggle that she can do magic, right? I guess, and like, but just. Did you sit in silence? I, I, what is, what is going on here? I don't know. And then Max like, oh, I want to tell me of your homeward, Usul, to quote Dune. Um, she, he coos. He cooed. He was staring at so me So his, lovingly. like, his chest is puffed up. I don't, and like, he's, I don't, how does a dude coo, like, you coo at babies? <laughs> Um, but this isn't their first date. Nope. This isn't the first week or probably first month that they've been dating. They've been dating. They've already, and they've already had the awkward fight date where after she finds out, or after Mac finds out that C.S. Lewis took her to some fucking fancy dinner. I mean, we've also had, he's been to her house. So it's been... I don't know, at the least six weeks, at the most, months, six months, I mean, that they've been in each other's life. And yet, this entire interaction proves that he doesn't know shit about her. And I'm so tired of this, as I just did, we just talked 
I just talked on another podcast about Fifty Shades of Grey, in which the main character accepts a marriage proposal and then finds out she doesn't know that her now fiance's birthday is that Friday. And no red flag of like, this is a problem. I, I will I will just out of out of concern suggest that as you are doing a podcast about handbook for <laughs> mortals, you should probably conserve your bad book energy. <laughs> Uh, that was on the movie, not the book. I yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Bad thing energy. Um, um, so we find out that Zade's parents are actual gypsies. Um, but they're not actual gypsies. It is she's using gypsies in the Bohemian. They move around, kind of slur. They are not Romanian. At no point has she said anything about her Romanian background. At no point. Well, now, now there is a distinction between the Roma and Romanians, but I get what you're saying. They're, they're, gypsies is a racist term. Don't call them gypsies, etc., etc. I mean... Don't say gypped either. Lonnie Serum calls herself yep. a gypsy. Like, this is something that she truly believes is not a slur, despite the number of people. Because she has had one or two friends tell her it's okay. I don't see it as a slur. Just like if I right. had a black friend that went, that's okay. I don't view the N-word as a slur. I'm still not going to go around saying it. Like... Yep, yep. There are certain terms, and so yeah, I get that she's using gypsy in the Stevie Nicks sense yes. of the term, and I, 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 I am, I am not of a background to be terribly offended by it. I would also suggest that she's not Stevie Nicks and hasn't earned that right. Right. <laughs> in any case, getting it tattooed on your foot does not mean you have earned the rights. Oh, God, does she really have a tattoo on her she foot? She does, in fact. So, how, Wait, how do you know that? Because I comb through social media before we record to see oh. if anything else has happened. She has a gypsy tattoo on her foot? She does have a gypsy tattoo on her foot. Oh, my God. Um, now, before she calls her parents gypsies, I want to go back to the paragraph before that. Because, again, three editors. Oh, so... It- Basically, Mac has been like, tell me something about you in a passionate way that felt very romantic, which, okay, first of all, what the fuck? As you humans say. (laughs) I wanted to tell him all my deep, dark secrets, but I couldn't. Understood. It made me sad that I couldn't open up and show him my world. Okay, got it. I tried to think of something to tell him, but nothing was really coming to mind. Cool. There had been some interesting stories that didn't involve magic, but in that exact moment, those were the only stories I could think of. So you've done interesting things that don't involve magic, and you can think of them. I think she's trying to say that she could only think of stories involving the magical world. Sure, maybe so, but that's not the way this reads. And also keep, like... when she gets into the wizard duel or when she goes all carry at the pretzel god stand in the mall, it's it's she's fucking flabbergasted at her own magical abilities. And she seems stunned that she is the part of a larger world, or at least it is explained to the reader like it, it is if she has had so many magical adventures, then make mention of that when it comes up in the narrative. Right. But this entire sentence, I mean, it's entirely just an editorial thing. And 
what the point she's trying to get across is not what's stated on the paper, which just goes to make Zaid look again like an idiot. Um, and like, I don't know. There isn't much to tell, really. I grew up in a little town in Tennessee called Centerville with my mom. My mom's parents were actual gypsies. Which we talked about. My parents aren't together. I trailed off. I realized that this innocent thing I was saying could lead to dangerous questions. Most of the population's parents aren't together in some form or fashion. Like, whatever. Nobody. When I go, my parents are divorced. Nobody's like, oh my god, that's so shocking. Can you, like, what happened? Like, no, it just is what it is. Questions like, so what do your parents do? Her, We don't have a clue what her fucking dad does. Like, her dad's out of the picture. Why she can't just say, like, my dad's out of the picture is whatever. But yep. my mother is eccentric, and she is the town's psychic. Yep. Like, I get not wanting to have that stigma, but also you can talk about this without making her sound magical. It's just... Also, dude works on, on, on the fucking stage crew for a Vegas illusion show. Yes. Like, my mom is a, is, is a town psychic. That's not even going to register no. as weird. Um, so then, I played with the family necklace that hung around my neck. The ball and stone inside were very important, but I couldn't even explain that either. Has that been mentioned before? No. Okay. Not once has this stupid necklace been mentioned. Okay. So I can't tell if it's a good thing or a bad thing when I'm starting to differentiate between (laughs) stuff that was sloppily explained previously and stuff that legit wasn't explained at all. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, We do have the first moment of, you know. Well, wait, uh, before we get to that, because I know which one you're talking about. She kind of panics. He asks if this is making uncomfortable. I mean, like, I get that one. That was to what lie. I was going oh, to Oh, okay. To. I was going to say, I thought you were getting to the, the, the hovering part. Um, no, no, no. This is the first time where someone asks Zade's consent for anything, okay. even after the fact. My apologies for cutting you off then. No, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. Or, or, you know, sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander. But yeah, this is the first time where someone acknowledges that Zade has feelings of her own and could possibly prefer something other than what the current dude is doing at that moment in time. Right. And so, and she goes into like, I just feel put on the spot. You usually get to know someone well over time because things come up organically, essentially. That's not how it's put, but you know what? I just said it in two words, what she says is about three sentences and she's not wrong. Like, you know, you're not going to tell your entire story to someone on the first date. But again, they've known each other this isn't. for weeks. Yeah. Like, yep. it's what does he actually know about her if he doesn't even know that she's from a single parent family? My favorite thing about this is that she goes on to provide an example. <laughs> like this, like, again, it speaks to the whole, like fucking as you humans do vibe that interactions between two people have because you get to know someone over time like anyone who's ever known anybody has got to know them over a period of time as we experience time linearly we're not fucking observers from fringe so 
after that helpful example um <laughs> which is like say we go swimming we're in the water and then that sparks the story about the one time i was swimming and whatever so i tell you the story does that make sense yes it makes sense we all fucking get it yep we find out that zade's ticklish uh yes and um and then we have mac pinning her down um Finally, he stopped because he was holding my arms down and somehow pinned my legs with his feet while his legs were straddling mine and he hovered above me. I guarantee you Zade is a virgin. There is no fucking way that Zade is not a virgin if if that is how yeah. she reacts to that specific per- position. Yep. But the fact that he has her pinned and is hovering. Does that not imply like off the ground? Maybe I am being a little bit too critical. Well, so, so, so crotch to crotch and he's kind of like his, his torso is, is hovering slightly above her. Like he's, he's, he's leaning down that such that their, uh, their torsos are essentially uh, parallel to each other. Um, I'll stop if you let me do this. And then he kissed me. Cue the Phil Spector. Now, um, they obviously didn't have sex, right? Um, like this is a lead up to taking the boy home and having a good time, right? It should be, but it's totally not what happened, right? They only kissed. Poor, like, can you imagine? Can you imagine what a sex scene in this book would read like? No, though I don't think it's ever going to happen. I think it's going to be I, a fade off screen kind of thing. Um, but we're still because we can't figure out the time period of this book like and from the extent of I have no idea how much time has passed since she left her mother right so they could have been dating for six weeks six months or six months by this point yep. and like I, I'm not saying give it up on the first date but you were 25 At some point, it needs to be a conversation of, like, this ain't happening until right. X, Y, and Z happens. And obviously, sell no wine before it's time, etc., etc. The 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 significance attached to virginity <laughs> is entirely Did you just su- say sell no wine before it's time? Right. Well, I'm just saying is that, that like, like at the s- don't give away the milk. Is that what they teach you guys? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying like, you know, p- like <laughs> listeners out there, if you're still a virgin, wait to have sex until you feel have feel comfortable having sex. Totally. Yeah. But at the same time, isn't it a little bit weird that someone would still be a virgin at 25? Like, doesn't that? I, I don't want to say that it's weird because there are people that it's a religious choice and there are people that haven't had the opportunity or something has happened that has caused them to not give it up yet but the fact of the matter is by the time you're 25 it is assumed in today's society that you have probably had sex and the last it is a statistical outline yes and to the point that like it needs to be a conversation had and if you are a virgin and for whatever reason don't have this conversation like actually i would like to hear as to why maybe i'm wrong here because i was not a virgin by the time i'm 25 sorry mom if you listen um but it's I, I don't want to say like any guy is just waiting around for sex, but like 
it's a part of relationships, you know? Am I wrong here? You're kind of staring at me. Okay. No, 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 no. Like, I'm, 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 I'm Homer Simpson smiling politely. Yeah, I like... <laughs> It, it's it's like, keep in mind that I was already married at 25. So True. like my I uh, my relationships were fucked up in the completely opposite direction. I I'd I say that you know absolute value of fucked is 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 equal. Um, don't get married, folks. Uh, so there's a time jump. Yes. So actually, there's all there's only a day. Um, there's probably like still eight work- hours. Right. They, she's still working on the new illusion. Which is the new illusion that she was working on in the last chapter, yep. right? Okay. Um, then she runs into Jackson. Like, actually physically runs into to Jackson. There's an entire paragraph of explaining why she's leaving the goddamn theater. I had been there already for a few hours before I was able to take a lunch break. I decided to walk across to the fashion show mall ain't there since I had extra time compared to my usual breaks between shows. Since it was closer, I decided to go through the front door of the theater instead of going out the back through the hallway, as I would have done had I been going to the EDR. Okay. Yep. There is a... There is a... It it is as if Lanny Sarum feels that a book needs to have a certain quantity of explanation in it. Yeah. And how that explanation is divided up doesn't matter as long as it's there. <laughs> I get where you're coming and from. And so you have so you have situations where she elides completely over the existence of this shadowy magical world and she goes, Fuck, I've gotta make up that explanation somewhere. <laughs> so she decides to spend the explanation points on how two people get to know each other abstractly, like the process by which two humans get to know each other or why someone is going to the mall for lunch or whatever. Like, I know that they said she doesn't like malls, so maybe it's to over explain why she's going to a mall. But at the same time, I can tell you, I don't give a shit. I used to go to the mall during lunch because it has a food court and thus... I could get a bunch of different options without having to sit through a drive-through. Whoopty freaking do! Welcome to corporate America. She climbs um, so. into Jackson, and for the second time, I found myself having fallen on top of them, on top of him. He caught me, and all of a sudden, he was holding me in his arms, and then laughing while he slowly and gently placed me back on his feet, on my feet. Sorry. Yep. Okay. Did they both fall over? Is she This is actually this has actually happened to me. Okay. This has happened to me. Um what happened is You had a rom com moment. Z- okay, I'm ready for this. No, no. So so Zaid trips, stumbles forward, Jackson reaches out her arms and kind of catches her, uh basically sets her up for the pedigree. If you guys have seen a Triple H match, like double underhook face buster. Oh my God. So, so, so he's got his arms under Zade's arms that are sort of splayed out behind him. It's it, that, that at least I could. Okay. Um, so this is something that you can visually be like, I get right. this. Okay. Thank you for. Or, or the Pepsi plunge for CM Punk fans. It doesn't oh have to be the pedigree. Oh my God. Um, I'm not usually this clumsy. I swear you are a rom-com star. You are clumsy. 
It's a trope. Yep. I assured him. Zade really is a flipper to gibbet, isn't she? She really, really is. Um, I assured him with my syrupy southern draw, which has varying degrees of prominence in my speech. Sometimes it's barely there, but others, especially when I'm angry or embarrassed, it's far stronger. We are now 55% of our way through this book. Oh, thank God. And we now have a paragraph about her fucking southern draw that is unnecessary. And this is somewhat like mine comes out when I've been in the South too long. I go home for a couple weeks. I go home like to Arkansas for a couple weeks. I suddenly slow down and can't keep up with New York. That's not entirely true. I haven't been home since. So, um, no, I, I know you're not much of a drinker, but was it the sort of thing that would come out when you were drunk or angry? Um, I don't know. You've heard me angry and you've seen me drink. Have you ever heard my Southern accent? Not really. Um, um, it comes out on some words that I maybe don't say too much that, like, I, I made a choice to lose my Southern accent in seventh grade. It is a very traumatic moment. I was made fun of my Southern accent by a teacher. And so thus I chose to get as close to having no accent as possible. According to my grandparents, I have an Atlantean accent. Um, there, there's, there's this whole, there's this... Basically, the Midwestern American accent is the closest thing to BBC received pronunciation that you can get. Uh, so, so arrogantly speaking, I have no accent. Yeah. Because like, I... When I moved to Brooklyn, I had so many people ask me if I was moving back to the North. So, I am very proud of the fact that I don't, for whatever... I mean, I have a American accent i guess but right then again i also With- haven't gone back to arkansas in probably five years so i haven't been around to hear it and i feel like if they even tried it would sound fake at this point so i don't know yeah. get me around some southern people maybe i change but um I, it's not to say like like i have friends hell one of my best friends growing up, her parents are British. When she got angry, she got British. And it was always hilarious. But my, the fact of the matter is, why the fuck is this paragraph here? Why the fuck is this paragraph in this book? And what purpose does it serve? Other than to remind us yet again that she is Southern. Yeah, I don't know. Um... Ugh. Yada yada, you can plow into me at any time, says Jackson. Um, and there's no uh, and can I return the favor kind of comments. Yep. Um, and then he has her pushed up against the wall with his left hand against the wall, almost pinned and looking at her. At which point, a small child <laughs> walks up. <laughs> Like, mommy, mommy, what are they doing? It is a very either aggressive or intimate move. Like either right. he's about to tell her. Try not to burp. Sorry. Um, he's either about to whisper in her ear how he's going to go and kill her entire family. Or he's about to talk about how he's going to fuck her against a wall. 
like or both or both um and then yes a little child who could not have been older than seven or eight runs up trailed by someone who i assumed was her mother and because of how naive zade is there's no like the mother looks embarrassed or like oh shit sorry we caught you in a moment kind of thing but no the daughter recognizes zade so okay um the girl recognizes her and asks for a picture. Yep. And I don't know. It's 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 never established how much of the focus Zade is because <laughs> it seems odd that of all the people involved in a typical Vegas magic show, this little girl would recognize Zade in street clothes. Yep. Essentially. Yep. I mean, like, I honestly couldn't tell you what color hair David Copper- Copperfield has. Like, and then if they saw the show last night, sure. She's probably yeah. on a billboard, sure. Yeah, and then... Which, so she gets the photo taken, blah, 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 blah. It's not the same level. If you saw Cirque du Soleil and then ran into the people the next day, honestly, you're probably yeah, but not there's going a difference. to realize. Right, exactly. Because I assume I wouldn't be running into a Cirque du Soleil performer in a Cirque du Soleil costume. Right. Um, and so then... She just has to, um, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, yay, yay, yay. Uh, I, I, I'm skipping ahead a little bit just to just to point out that we have another example of charm oozing out of people. Oh yeah, this is people. the line, this is, well, yeah, that is my, yeah. <laughs> we'll get there in a yay! second. Um, All right, why are you here working on an illusion, blah, 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 fast forward. Um, yeah, oh my god, charm just flowed out of them the way most people sweat. In the sun on a hot August day in Tennessee. Which is not the end of this. Keep reading. It got it got hot in Vegas, like 124 degrees hot, but it was a dry heat. And let me tell you, it was not as sweltering as a human 90 degrees in Tennessee. You will sweat buckets without even lifting a finger the moment you step outside. See you in a few, I asked. Three huh? fucking editors. Now, hang on. So I know you don't like podcasts that talk about other podcasts. And there is a bit in the Adventure Zone where one of the characters, Taco, has to spitball for time and just starts talking about the most banal thing he can (laughs) as sort of just for as long as he possibly can. And that's what this reads like. This reads like someone... You know, gun to your head, if you stop talking about the weather, I am going to pull the fucking trigger. And this is what it sounds now, like. back in, I think this is chapter two. I turned my eyes towards them and caught Charles' reply. Most people's names aren't worth remembering. I was impressed by his clear, measured answers. He never seemed to overspeak, which most people, especially me, are guilty of. It was like someone had written his dialogue for him. The man oozed charmed the way that most people, most normal people sweat in the Vegas heat. (sighs) Again. 
I, so I, when I have read this right. and allowed the oozing of charm in reference with a metaphor to weather through. One, fine. It paints a gross picture that, like, I don't think you understand what oozing and sweating means and how it's not necessarily a good thing. But, right. When I am when I am when I am sweating or oozing, if I'm oozing anything, I need to go to the doctor. Yes. If I am particularly sweaty, I go. I need to take a shower and correct this situation. Yes. But um, just to read it again, charm just oozed out of him the way most people sweat in the sun on a hot August day in Tennessee. It got hot in Vegas, like 124 degrees hot, but it's a dry heat. And let me tell you, it's not as sweltering as a human 90 degrees in Tennessee. Ugh. National Novel Marcel. Writing Month, first draft. That's what this is. Um, and then... Then they make plans to see each other in a few. Jackson walks away. They lock eyes. No. Turn around, disappeared out of sight. Yeah. Fade to black. Thank Christ. And again, what did they establish between that conversation between her and Jackson? Other than she occasionally falls, she's creating a new illusion, which again, she had told him last chapter their relationship is non-existent and yet we are to believe that she is partic- she might pick him over someone else i don't know <laughs> i i oof 56% so, of this book so close hmm. okay so next chapter um what happens next chapter i would say Gosh, this, it's, it, there, I am not inaccurate, or it's not wrong for me to say that we have had several chapters in a row where nothing happens, correct? Yes, you are correct. Okay, so do you understand how it gets more and more challenging for <laughs> me to come up with what happens next when I have nothing to build off of? I mean, do you want me to give you, like, a prompt of what happened no, and wh- see if you can build from I mean, there? Okay, 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 okay. You, you, give, me a pr- give me a prompt, and I'll see what I, can, what I can freestyle off the dome. All right, so we have Mac and Charles' interaction. Okay. In um, okay, uh, Mac and Charles' interaction. Uh, Mac and Charles are doing a company of men scenario uh, where they're they've both made a bet to see who can sleep with Zaid first. And that's why the chapter early on where, uh, Mac and is it Tad or is it Cam? Like there's a joke early on where they make a bet. Oh, it's Tad. Where so it is Tad. So, so the reason why that comes up is because Tad knows that Mac and Charles have this freestanding bet over who can sleep with the new, employee first and so the next chapter um wait no 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 it's not the company of men it's it's dangerous liaisons Thank you. and mac is trying to sleep with zaid because charles has promised mac that if mac can seduce zaid charles will sleep with mac charles is the um madame de Vertoul in this situation with 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 Mac 
as the the Valmont and um Zade is the is the Uma Thurman character. Uma <laughs> character, right, yeah. God damn. Or Selma Blair oh. if you've seen Cruel Intentions. I th- oh. <laughs> what is that for? Okay. Okay, so so there's an interview where Ryan Philippe is talking about cruel intentions, and he says, "Oh well, you know, it's based on this book, Les Liaisons Dangereuses by blah blah blah." And then it was made into a movie called Valmont, and then he elides completely over Dangerous Liaisons the movie, and he is doing nothing but a John Malkovich impression. In Cruel Intentions. And it pisses me off so much. Not... Because, th- trust me, if I have a chance to do a John Malkovich impression, I do a John Malkovich impression. That's fine. But I acknowledge the existence of Malkovich Malkovich when I am doing so. And to see him in an interview completely gloss over the one acting note that he took for that pisses me off. I will say, however, that Cruel Intentions 2 is a delightful piece of trash. <laughs> I agree with that. Um, Isn't there like three or four of them now? Probably. Um, I've only seen Cruel Intentions 2, which um, it's what? super duper trashy because it was originally a TV pilot and they yes. realized that it was never going to work. And so they oh, went shit. back in and they added nudity to it. I think that they are, again, trying to make this uh, a TV show. Cruel Intentions into a TV I show? I think so. Jesus Christ. I'm looking it up to see... They are also, they've done Heathers, I think, as a TV show. And, uh, oh, nope, the Cruel Intentions reboot is officially dead. Okay. Thank Um, God. But they are trying to do Heathers, and they released the first trailer for the new Heathers. Oh, and all the the main girls are marginalized people, right? Yes, it's terrible. It's so bad. (laughs) Like, and the director's like, but, but I thought the Heathers were the good people. And it's like, oh, did you not? watch the movie <laughs> interesting bit of trivia the best man at my wedding went to prom at the high school that heathers was based off oh, cool. of it's he was not the christian slater character uh, in heathers but it's uh yeah i, I got a feeling that 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 heathers is, is going to get canceled if it ever makes it to um television which i don't even know which channel it's supposed to be on but yep nbc passed mm-hmm. on the pilot back in 2016 but thanks to the discussion of Heather's and Les Cousines Dangerous, we have now segued nicely into recommending <laughs> stuff. What you going to recommend? Uh, I have two recommendations. Okay. The first is try legit Szechuan cuisine. Oh, God. Okay. If you can. Um, you're going to have to do some research because... It, the presence of the name of the word Szechuan in the name of a restaurant does not necessarily guarantee that it will be legit Szechuan cuisine. Um, find yourself a place that will order food or will make food not white people spicy. Uh, there, remember, gosh, I wish I could remember the restaurant. We were, you and I were walking around and there was that Chinese restaurant, um, that I was like, oh my God, this place looks great. Like that place <laughs> will do legit stuff. I mean, I, I, I live in Brooklyn, Chinatown. Brooklyn, so. yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Michelle would probably know a, yeah. a great Szechuan place, but um, the Szechuan peppercorn is unique in that it adds a lot of flavor and it's also numbing. So <laughs> if you 
if you eat a bunch of it and it feels like your mouth is tingling, then you know you've got legit Szechuan cuisine. Um, One of my favorite Indian places th- does um, mild, medium, hot, and then Indian hot. To yep, imp- I've yeah, I've had to imply like yep, I've had you white people don't know what you're talking about. Exactly, I've had Thai spicy Thai food before. Yes. It's fucking great. So. Um, Broadly speaking, my recommendation is not white people spicy. Um, specifically, I am going to recommend. Oh gosh, um, I am currently. I'm currently watching Orphan Black, and that got a lot of praise for very obvious reasons. So this is the lukewarmest of takes that Orphan Black actually really good uh wait I are switched... you are you saying that you actually i i, I guess i'm confused you're enjoying it right oh okay. yeah yeah it's, it's really good but i'm also not like oh hey have you guys heard about orphan black because yes you've heard about orphan black it was universally critically acclaimed and so i'm saying that it deserved the critical acclaim uh we're watching it after we finished watching fringe which also owns and everyone should watch fringe the pacing of going from a 22 episode season of an American TV That's show so to, a t- to a 10 episode BBC <laughs> show. Seriously, there were plot points that I was like, oh yeah, that happens in season two. That happens in season two. No, it actually happens in like episode three of season yep. one. It's wonderful. Um, so watch Orphan Black um, as you eat Szechuan food. Your turn. God. Uh, okay, hang on. I gotta actually think. Because I have not been doing much of anything. I recommend... Um, Fifty Shades of Grey? No, I really don't. Um, I mean, I can recommend some podcasts that I recently started listening to and slash have been on or had people on. But um, I don't know. I started watching uh, one of the Scream sequels. So um, if you don't know me, the Scream movies are by far my favorite series. Uh, including the really bad TV show uh, that we have both watched. Um, that is actually I would argue really bad. I think that it's pretty good. Um, it's MTV, so I can only say, like, it, is it really great for an MTV show, or is it really great, period? I would say, well, it is, it is entertaining. It is definitely in the top two TV series based on the concept of slasher movies that I've ever seen. <laughs> We need to watch season two of Slasher. <laughs> right. Um, um, but yeah, so the, 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 the Scream calls are good. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I recently started watching Scream 3 of all of them, which is not my favorite, but um, for whatever reason is on HBO and um, I was cleaning my room. So that's what I turned on while watching that. So I recommend watching the original Scream movie. And actually the entire, all four of them are great and how meta they are and um how outside of three which almost takes itself too seriously they're really light slasher movies and i love them so much um okay so yes and courtney cox is wonderful so all right uh so that's it for this week where else can they find you in the interim um i uh host two other podcasts judging book covers podcast and uh fable you retellings um this week on fabulous retellings we watched barbie and the 12 dancing princesses um which was made i think in the mid 
2000s and yeah it looks like it was made in the 90s so go listen to us groan over that and uh, Judging Book Covers comes back Sunday where we're reading our first graphic novel so uh, come listen to us talk about that what about you? Uh, I can be found on Over the Tabletop, a two-player board game-themed podcast, which I will be recording soon after this recording ends, I believe. Uh, Over the Tabletop Podcast.libson.com, Over the Tabletop on various social media websites. Um, Yeah, comes out every other week-ish, and yeah, uh, find me there. Um, As for this podcast, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Handbook Podcast. Um, There's also a Facebook group, Come Join. It is a handbook for judging fabulous retelling covers. Um, come talk books with us. Come yell about Lonnie Serum with us. It's a closed group, so you have to be a member to see what's going on, which also means you can yell about her as much as you want. And it's not like she's going to see it unless she randomly joins. Um, right. So, yep, come join as we, I'm going to post in a minute, the oozing quote for people to get a taste of what we're talking about this week and um it's for all three of my podcasts so lots of books discussions um but yeah come join all right uh until next time i remain for my sins james de brooker and i'm megan griffin Yay. bye